welcome to the Situation Report. This is a special Situation Report for Friday, October 27th. I'm joined by Matt Bracken. Most of you who uh, don't know who Matt is, he's an author, former Navy SEAL. He's been on Alex Jones uh, several, several times. He was a regular for several years. I got introduced to him. Uh, my twin brother was uh, had read all of his books. Uh, the first one that he read was... Uh, Foreign Enemies and uh, wanted me to read it over and over, bugged and bugged and bugged me and I read it. Great book. Um, he's an author. He's He's been around the block. He's he's friends with Michael Yon. That's how we got connected. You can find him on Gab uh, under Matt Bracken. He's 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 a wealth of information and he, let's just uh, let's just get started. I mean, let's let's start with with Alex Jones. How'd you get affiliated with Alex Jones, man? I mean, that that one blows my mind. Yeah, that um, it goes back a couple years. Uh, for a while, I was I would come I would be brought on when there was like a mass shooting or something. I forget who actually made the first intro, but I was I was just you know a panel type of a guest a few times, and then I started doing uh, like Thursday afternoon fairly regularly. But uh, uh, two years ago, I had to haul my boat out for like a major like thirty year refit where I was going to be you know, unavailable for several months. And I, and I told them, look, you know, I can't just be waiting around on Thursdays. So I never had like a slot, like every Thursday, I would have to wait until Thursday morning. So when I told them, look, I can't do that anymore. You gotta, <laughs> I've got to work on my, do things on my boat. Then, then um, that petered out, but it's, it, it's fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not a seeker. I'm not a, you know, clout chaser. I'm really more interested in writing novels. I am writing a, a new novel now after a couple of years. I was sort of so blackpilled, not wanting to write like another Cormac McCarthy, The Fall, like who cares, right? Yeah. So I, 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 did, I did see a plot that would be interesting and not total, totally blackpilled. So I, I am writing again, but um, I'm, I'm more interested in writing for posterity and I care mostly about my books in print, not not electronic versions, audiobooks, et cetera. I was gonna because ask they're that. just gonna be deleted, right? They'll be deleted. So my books are like time capsules to be rediscovered on the other side of what's going to happen. And that's really my interest is is the long picture. But I'm obviously like you studying everything that's going on at the border uh, in the Middle East. I actually went down to um, Panama with with Michael Yan uh, and Ben Burkwam and Oscar Blue last January. So I've actually gotten to know these people. So I sort of have a feel for that area when I watch the new videos coming out of Darien. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm uh, really a big supporter of these guys that go into the jungle. It's, you know, besides everything else, it's a biological warfare effort. They're bringing in every disease known to man by the, by, you know, the thousands. Oh yeah, dengue, That's malaria, er, tuberculosis. Perfect. And the guys system. that go down there as reporters all get sick. Yeah, perfect weapon system. And it's the interesting. The interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because we, you know, we talked before the show, and uh, we were both talking at the point when we started recording. This is how this always goes, by the way. I did the, when I did interview with Tom uh, Luongo and Alex Kerner. We talked for like 45 minutes before we actually recorded. And part of it is. You know, when you do this, when you do the recordings, you're you're more, <coughs> you're more focused on 
um, specific content. You and I are like, there's not a lot going on. So let's just, let's just free yeah. this and then yeah. just start talking. So yeah. we were talking about Texas before this, right? And something that I, um, that I firmly believe is the fact that, that um, Abbott hasn't closed the borders treason because he knowingly is accepting invasion in our country on his watch and is forsaking his oath. That to me is, is treason of the highest right. order. And the fact that the state police in Texas, the um, the AG in Texas, now the AG's got his own problem because he's under he's under attack by the Bush clan, which Paxton. I, I think everybody wants the Bush clan to go away. Um, yes. And Ken Paxton, he's got some questionable things that he's done too. But at least Paxton tried to bring the the court case to the Supreme Court about the election inter interference. That to me yeah, is the only, the only governor who did. Which was really grabbing the third rail. Yeah, and, and what's interesting to me about about that piece of it is that he's still paying for it in the political circles in Texas. I, I, you know, Absolutely. I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had this this experience for the last couple of years since I started doing this. About two years ago, when my I did a, I did a show with Patel Patriot and I went on the show and and I said, look, all this Q stuff is a psyop and it's got a bunch of unintended totally. consequences, but it's a psyop. And the whole intent of it is to keep people at home placated that somebody else is coming to the rescue. And it's right. not true. It's part of the plan. Yeah, it's not. true. It's a it's psyop and it's also it, it's a it's a it's a um, keep them home, but it's also a discrediting operation. You know, Absolutely. it's 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 a classic discrediting operation. Oh, you must also believe in in you know little green men and and uh, you know uh, space space at the South Pole, right? Well, so you know it, it's it, puts, it, puts, it puts you out into kookery. Oh, absolutely! It's actually aliens running the financial system, and that all of our all of our top um, leaders have to go to the South Pole and pay homage to some alien in a pyramid down there, and that's well, that's I do believe in in the lizard people. <laughs> They just they don't wear suits. They they are humans. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they might as well be another species because they really do look at us like ants at their picnic. And when they consider the ants infesting their beautiful picnic, they look at us as coldly as if they were saying, you know, gas chambers that didn't work out. We're going to have to do something a little more subtle this time. You know, well, we're going to have to. I, the guy that I have a hard time believing is not on a kill list is Bill Gates. That guy has, he was been, to, he's been in education, screwed that up. He's been in, in the vaccine world now for what, 10 years. He's killed people in India. He's oh, longer in than Africa. that. Longer than, and not only vaccines, but putting tagants, micro tagants into them so that they, they, there's a fabulous uh, one hour. I think it's one hour. It's in like, a couple of 15-minute segments, or you can look at the whole hour by James Corbett, Corbett Report, who is Bill Gates. And he is, he is a third-generation eugenicist. He was not in any way, shape, or form a computer genius. His oh, no. mother was like a, a huge IBM executive, and just he was like the tech version of Obama. You know, the doors were opened for him. He oh, yeah. stole all the open-source code to make Windows. And, and yeah. his his niche was patent you know patent law and copyright law so that he accumulated the open source code for himself and then 
or, you know, put the law on anybody else that didn't buy, pay, buy it from him. I mean, that was his computer genius was in the in the legal sphere. But, but he's a third generation eugenicist. They are they are like huge in the, the uh, transhuman, you know, the new race of super people. And they've just got to get rid of us lower people. It sounds a lot like the Nazis, doesn't it? Like the it Aryan sure Nazis. does. <laughs> you know, the interesting part of that, that two things about him that drive me nuts is why isn't he on a kill list somewhere? I mean, he's done enough damage just to the U.S. national security. You would think somewhere along the line, somebody would have said this guy is a problem. But and I, I can tell you. If I was Trump, the first thing I would have done, I would have brought in the, the, the Delta teams and said, I want this guy gone. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if he dies from lead poisoning. I don't care if his plane falls out of the sky. I want him gone. And I want him gone tomorrow. And I want every one of his minions around him gone. And I don't want him any, any trace of him left for the next 10 centuries. Get it done. Well, I don't think, I don't think that there's, I don't think that there is like one super puppet master it's not soros or his son because they're there george is so feeble he's like uh face planting like biden uh, but alexander has been to the white house like a dozen times alexander meets with trudeau and all the you know uh global so alexander is clearly uh the designee for the open open society right so you and got, then you got you... alexander you got sergey brand you got eric schmidt so you've got the the ngo side You've got the corporate side, and then you've got the the tech side. When all three of and those you've, guys, you've got you've got Schwab and Uvell at the at the WEF, um, Krista Freeland, who is I mean, how does this happen? Canada has a buffoon figurehead leader. He, he Trudeau is you know, Castro Jr. is in no more is no more in control of Canada than Biden is in control of the United States. I would believe the, that. The finance minister of Canada is one of like the top five lieutenants of Klaus Schwab. And you on don't the think Yellen, Janet Yellen's the same way? I mean, the old lady at the Fed is, or the Treasury is the one who's running the U.S. government. She's she's the one with the purse strings. So she's the one running the show here. And she's totally a globalist, but she's insufferably stupid, which is, you know, Krista Freeland at least is not insufferably stupid. She's just not polished, right? right. So she's I wonder... Harsh. But, you know, Klaus Schwab is like Bill Gates. They're so patently uninteresting that you have to ask the question, how would anybody ever pick them to do anything? It's because there's somebody behind them that's the deep sure. dark, that's the institutional money that's providing that. And I would say since Kissinger was an, was an offspring of another intelligence apparatus person who was an intelligence apparatus person for Alan Dulles, I would tell you that probably the father of the WEF was probably Alan Dulles and the CIA that was probably heavily funded by the CIA to begin with through Harvard and started way back in the 50s or 60s, long before you and I were ever born. I, I, I firmly believe that Alan Dulles operating in Switzerland during the war was a direct feed to bring as much of the Nazi ideology to the U.S. covertly than I think he did more damage to our national security than any other person. Well, there history. was a the, the late forties were a period of maximum churn because you had you had the Nazis getting out, you know, paperclip and other rat lines, but you also at the same time you had Soviet agents of influence being pushed through 
Um, in fact, uh, George Soros has a very interesting arrival story in the West. When the Hungarian Revolution, the abortive Hungarian Revolution happened, that's when he got out. When Well, we know from history that when there are big refugee flows, like, say, the Marielle boat lift, that's when Cuban intelligence will you know, flood America with agents because nobody's being checked. Just come in, give a fake name. You're on your way and you establish a new identity. Um, well, George Soros arrives in the city of London, the financial city, I mean, as like a young man with a couple hundred thousand dollars, which turns into millions like overnight. That doesn't happen without, without help. He was let out into the West by the Soviets. He was put through the, the fence, you know, with the refugees and then set up in London. So there's there's a when you you say, well, how can here's Alan, here's Alan Dulles, CIA and Nazis. Here's the Russians, George Soros. At some level, people can have a program and a plan, but they can't necessarily control the outcome down the next 30 or 40 years. I was just so, going to say, is there a point where you think he went off the reservation? Because I'm sure he did at some point, but he's always well, been on that. That was his starting point. I mean, people like him, remember, he he and his father worked for the Nazis fingering Jews for confiscating their property, which he said he was proud of. It was like a great time. There's that famous interview um, from like 25 years ago. But, but um, you know, Soros, he would pretend to be a communist, you know, to get to London and be set up in business as a Soviet agent. But then that doesn't mean he's going to be, he might grow independent. He might get, become big enough on his own and the Soviet Union is declining in power. So a lot of times the, the agencies don't understand that they don't really control their agents anymore. Obviously, you get things like, you know, uh, James Jesus Angleton, that whole period with defectors and false defectors. And in some ways, that's a psyop to like tie the CIA up in knots, not knowing who's a false defector or a, or a true defector. But, you know, there's just a, a period where the, um, the agency heads don't really know if they control their people or not. The people may continue to make reports and they, they may play the game, but they're really not. It's not the same as being a double agent and then flipping to work for the CIA. They may just be working for themselves. Or it- other institutional money. I, I think it's other institutional money because when I look at, at Epstein, clearly an intelligence operation, clearly. Yes. His money came yes. from nowhere. He and, and he's not the only guy in that business that owns an island in the middle of nowhere. That's right. Yep. I mean, I have that, actual, my novel, Estigo Key, is, has the before any of the Epstein thing came out, I wrote the novel Castigo Key, which is a, you know, private island far out in the Bahamas used for a, you know, little uh, sadomasochism dungeon paradise island for uh, these sick people. Oh, well, I'm done. sure. I'm sure yeah. there's many, but, many islands. And and there's there's a, obviously a perversion motivation of the power hunger, but there's beyond that, there's the pure blackmail. I mean, Bill Clinton was on the Lolita Express 20 times. 27 you know, times, you know, 11 times without Secret Service. I saw the manifest. Had, and the Lolita Express, the back third is like a playpen. You oh, know? yeah. It's not like all seats, right? Well, you the know, the, the, it's the, like a playpen. The, the, this, so this, you and I have both um, 
you and I have both in the club been in the classified world in, in one shape, one way, shape, or form. Yeah, and yes, SCI. You know the the thing that here's the thing that most people don't realize is when you have intelligence operations like this that are going on around the world, and I assume the CIA and Mossad are operating these together, probably around the planet and various various um, various uh, let's just say international waters, islands in international waters, put it that way, and. You know, the prevailing wisdom when I first heard about this, now I, I kicked doors on Red Rooms back in, I'm going to say 2000, 2009, 2010, somewhere back then. Uh, could have been earlier than that. And, you know, you see a Red Room for the first time, you cannot see it. And you can't, you can't get your head around it because it, it doesn't, it defies logic. It defies common sense. It defies brutality in, in ways that I, and you know, it took me years to unwind it. I mean, years. Are you walking? And, and this is, and you know, just quick sidebar, this is one of the, the other uh, most horrible aspects of our own government running this invasion into, into our country, that in all of these refugee flows, children are just like free for the picking. Oh, they're moving 5,000 kids a night out of the airports in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California, and nobody knows where the fuck they're going. Nobody has right. a clue who's operating the airplanes and where those airplanes are going. 5,000 kids a week. I mean, if you do the math, 52 weeks a year at 5,000 kids, that's a significant number of children that are vanishing. And, and, our, and our own government pays the contractors that deliver them to parts and persons unknown. Yeah. Or and that's, for purposes unknown. That's the Our own government is doing that. Yeah. And that's the numbers that we have visibility on. It's not the numbers that are obfuscated by the cartels, obfuscated by the child traffickers at the border, obfuscated by the child traffickers within our border, obfuscated by the cartels that are operating trucking companies that are moving people wholesale all over the U.S. I mean, there's three to four different lines of operation going on right now that are moving children and women. And the the one that was really insidious that I that I had to get my head around was one of the guys I was with had done this for a long time. And I, I can't tell you what unit he was with, but suffice it to say, I said, how the fuck do people do this? What motivates somebody to do shit like this? Because we were looking at body parts of kids that were stacked up in a room. Like it was literally looked like a slaughterhouse. And he very nonchalantly said, babies that make babies are unaccountable. And you can do anything with them. And he walked away from me. And I was like, what the fuck did he just say to me? And it took me five years to realize what he said to me. And that was human human the, plantation, growing humans. Yes. They use the they use the kids they dismember as as baby factories. They make babies with those kids while they're still babies. They traumatize them and then they dismember them when they can't have any more babies. It is it is the most insidious, sick thing I've ever seen in my in my life. And even today, after you know dealing with it for years and years and years with counselors and everything else, it's still I still just get red faced. Well, thinking. with the with the Chinese, we know that they um, are doing organ <coughs> harvesting for um, you know for to spec, so you can fly to China, you know, get blood blood typed and DNA tested, and then they'll look through their system for a prisoner that will have a compatible organ. 
take them out and shoot them. You know, you know, so, I trust so why the Chinese, would, So why right? wouldn't it happen here? Yeah, well, what could possibly go wrong? Fly to a communist country, let them take your DNA, let them figure out your blood type, and then let them harvest somebody in their prison system to give you organs. What could possibly go wrong? If you're wow. a desperate old, if you're a desperate old millionaire that you know wants another ten or twenty years, you know you and I probably have the same view. I've had a I've had a pretty full life. I'm, I, you know, if if I go, I go. Right? I, I prolonging life as an old guy. I don't know about you, but everything hurts. I don't want to prolong life where everything hurts. I, I would oh, rather. I, I think that I think that a, there's a whole a, there's a whole uh, niche or class of people, strata, probably a better word, that. And I think George Soros would be like way at the top of this list. And he probably has given up by now. Uh, they really, you know, there was a, what, cryogenics craze like in the 70s or 80s. That was all BS. And, you know, that, that was going nowhere, freezing people. But I think that a lot of these guys have just been saying, if I can hold on for another five years, they're telling me that they're going to be able to, you know, download my, my consciousness into a 20-year-old body. I've just got to make it to them. Yeah. No matter how decrepit my body is, how painful it is, it, I'm, I'm being told they're going to neurolink me right into a, a fresh body. Yeah. And then you've got eternal life. All I have to do is step into a refrigerator and they jam a diode up my ass and hook it up, you know, to jumper cables to my testicles and freeze me and I'll be good for another 20 years. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard all of it. It's a bunch of nonsense. No, I, no, I, but I mean, where they can download, if they, not a brain transplant, but they can essentially download your consciousness and if they can, if they can do do you honestly think they could do that i don't think even with the computer no, we have now i think that i think that they think if they hang on for five more years not 2023 if i can make it to 2030 you see i don't if, see it happening if I, but i could see how they would think that because you know if well you're, and, and they're well, if they're, if they're neurolinked, you know, Musk and others are huge in this. If you're neurolinked, now you've got the Library of Congress at, at, you know, hyperspeed operating inside your mind. I mean, what's just as like a little, you know, uh, just a, a easy sort of analogy, you could walk into any casino and be the best blackjack card counter in history because you've got AI and super memory, super speed. It would, you know, you would, you'd be able to dominate any field by understanding everything so fast. And a normal, the, the human being 1.0 at that point is basically just, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, the story with the people up on the surface and the people down below? You know, there'll be the, there'll be the transhuman supermen, and then the rest of us are essentially cattle. Yeah, and that's what they want. And they may get, they may achieve partial success in that. But one thing I've realized with, when you start messing with, with biology and mother nature, mother nature plays back. And when mother nature plays back, it's usually a very unintended and hideous consequence of that. Well, and the, you know, the whole, the whole um, story of, of, uh, of creation and Adam and Eve is eating from the tree of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. You know, trying to become God has right. have very serious unintended consequences, and many other civilizations have collapsed, not where they obviously had the technology we have, but but where they were so pervasively tyrannical. You know, that's that's why 
a couple hundred Spanish could take over Mexico. Everybody else was sick of the Aztecs harvesting them, you know, yeah. going out on war patrols just to bring people back for human sacrifice. You know, this is, we are right now, our empire, the global American empire, I think we are at this point right now where our hubris is taking us into uh, a situation where uh, we're going to see an extremely rapid implosion in the next weeks or months. I mean, we're, we've now got not two, but now four carrier battle groups heading to the Middle East. This is insanity. This is like let's, 14. Let's talk is- about that for a second, because I think that's a good segue into uh, the Israel situation. You know, I, I said, uh, it's funny, the, I purposely wanted to do a, a, a just a, an entire episode on Israel with you, because I knew you would have a, a strong opinion about it. Um, and let's get away from the Navy for a second. I think the bigger picture here is, I think there's, there's several objectives with this Israel conflict. I think the first one is they want to bring the Palestinians here and they're already doing it. I think this pause and this limited engagement strategy is a ruse so that they can negotiate in the background to bring the Palestinians here. And I mean, think about it. You have an entire population that has been trained by a terrorist cell for the last 25, 30 years. Hamas has been in Gaza for 25 years, training young people to hate infidels. So you have a perfect population to a little great Satan. Right. And then at the same time, you can destroy Israel and using the the guys that you're there to protect their interests. But really, you know, they're going to fight a three front war because eventually Egypt will come into this. Jordan will have to come into this. Parts of Syria will come into this, but most importantly, Hezbollah is a modern army, and you have you have the best. Uh, it's a perfect storm we've created. Well, there's the perfect a, there's storm. another a fourth front will be American home front because all of these sleeper cells will be activated. Well, I was getting there, and I knew you were going to go there, so I'm glad you went yeah. there. I, absolutely, because we you and I traded messages about this that uh, I see blue on blue, green on blue. I see them putting these people into uniform too and Absolutely. putting helmets on their head. And that's where the American people yeah. are going to be they'll shot. Be in police, they'll be wearing, they'll be wearing, you know, hometown police uniform. Absolutely. And they Absolutely. will drive up to the school in a, in a, <clears throat> and they will say, let us in. We have to um, protect you from the terrorists that you heard about on the news. Yeah. They, this is absolutely going to happen on day one. And the, and, and, and along with that, these um, you know false police uniform terror attacks are going because the first day it'll be so key to sowing confusion. Like in in southern Israel, it took them like six to twenty hours to react to the Hamas terror cells you know, running amok. They didn't have any weapons essentially to fight back. It disarmed society. America is armed, but what will give the terrorists the edge, equivalent to what happened in southern Israel? will be the prevalence of terrorists in police uniforms on day one. That will absolutely, people will not know who to trust. They'll start shooting at police because they heard police were terrorists. You'll have blue and blue police shooting at police because they think the other ones are terrorists. And that is absolutely baked in the cake. That is going to happen. The other thing that's going to happen on day one are the equivalent of, you know, uh, 10 or 20 Metcalf power uh, substation attacks. 
that was a, a like 10 years ago in California, I think near San Francisco, where a, a big substation, we're talking transformers that are like this, you know, a rider truck put on its back, you know, a, a, a transformer that's 20 feet tall, right? These are massive mega transformers. And they were shot just with rifle bullets. The oil drains out, they overheat, and they self-destruct. Yeah, and at the it's, same, it's at actually the diesel. Night, yeah. Yeah, and at the same night, look, uh, 20 or 10 or 20 miles away, a fiber optic trunk uh, station, you know, um, underground facility, you had not even publicly, you know, advertised where this is, was sabotaged. So what this is, what this told me ever since it happened, this was a proof of concept operation, I would assume by Iranians, but it could be Chinese or Koreans. But I would, I would, if I had to guess, I would say Iranians, where at the planning board back in Tehran, the uh, IRDG and other units, you've got their the ballistic missile program, the nuclear program, and over there is the colonel, the special forces colonel, and he's saying, "Look, you're spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on missiles and warheads, but I can shut down America's power grid for ten million dollars." Yeah, they, they don't have to do a lot to fuck with us completely, and, and I that think was, the other. That was a proof concept operation where they say, if we had 10 units ready to do that, we put America in the dark right away. Oh, yeah. And they will take down, assume they're going to, I assume three things. Number one, they're going to take down comms as fast as they can, especially the internet, so that there's no, there's no cross flow of information to, like, you know, they learned in, in uh, India during that hostage situation, that hotel People yes. were tweeting as they were going into the hotel, and the the uh, terrorists knew exactly where they're coming in. And a bunch of um, Indian police got smoked, and they don't want that. So they're going to take down the internet. They're going to take down comms. They're going to take down cell towers. They're going to take no, down. You mean what, the, a bit the, uh, a a bad guy cyber attack, or do you mean our government in order to prevent them from using communications? I assume all the above. I, I'm not. I'm not going to be specific. This is look. Our government is importing these people. Our government and the DOJ, especially the FBI, who's supposed to do counterintelligence, they are weaponized against the American people. They know exactly right. who's in this country and where they are. Don't tell me right. one for one second that they don't. That they don't. In fact, if you watch the the um, the Senate hearings where Chris Ray sat in front of the Senate, did that look like a guy? that was scared of being removed. That looked like a dude who had all the receipts on everybody that was grilling him. Oh, sure. I assume, I assume that more than half of Congress is under blackmail control. And what they do is they take turns being the guy that misses the free throw. I use that um, Washington generals versus the Harlem Globetrotters analogy. You know, you, you can have a guy who's like 80% conservative, but he'll be the one vote in the Senate to, to sabotage, a conservative principle when they need that one because they and they've got him under blackmail control. So he can still have a high conservative rating. He'll still get reelected, but when they need him to be the one guy to miss the free throw to lose the game, he'll do it. And and that's I assume that's in I, I look at nature very often. I, I see so many analogies and parallels uh, to nature because the same principles are 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 at work. In, just in the insect kingdom, for example, there are many, many examples of 
of like a of zombie attack, uh, like parasitic wasp is an example, burrows inside of a of a caterpillar and takes it over, right? The caterpillar is still alive. For a while on the outside, it still looks like a caterpillar, but it's completely under the control of the parasitic wasp until the baby wasps all come out and the caterpillar is dead. You know, there yeah. are, are spiders that do this. So the fact that we have a government, a zombie government, we still like see a flag and there's an American flag on the Capitol. Look, they're, they're electing a new house speaker. It's a zombie government. It's completely been suborned and taken over from the inside out. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, 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 I was just communicating with Diana West today. You know, her, her um, her book, um, uh, Red Net, the short, the small book. But our government right now is absolutely a false flag veneer of patriotism while they are working to destroy our country. And the, the Republicans, the sincere Republicans, they're the Washington generals. Their job is to make it look like still a functioning political system. Oh, yeah. That's, that's I mean, the proof, is, the proof in the pudding is, what's the first thing? that the new speaker of the house does we're going to support israel at yeah. all costs oh that's and, something and we haven't Please seen that israel and ukraine yeah it's, it's just stupid right and then there's the then and the other one i love which which cracks me up to no end is this mindset that the the republicans are su- you know suddenly going to do the right thing um no they're really not and look, they've spent four weeks, five weeks with this master debating about who's going to be Speaker of the House. Perfect cover. It's who's the new manager of the Washington Generals. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. They're still going to look for them, Globetrotters. Got yeah. news for you. Your job is to be the designated patsies to make oh. it like a functioning political system. It's, it's and you know, and I've said this before. So the, when, I <clears throat> mean, on November 8th of 2022, I I said, okay, I'm done doing the political space. space. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to waste any time on it anymore. Our political system is completely compromised. This election shows That's right. that in 2020, it was not about Trump. Everybody thinks that they took the election from Trump. That was greed. They got overzealous and they took the, the election from Trump. They wanted the down vote. They wanted the Senate. They put Mark Kelly and they put a bunch of other shills in the Senate so that they could change the Constitution. Then they delayed for two years and they got the swing states and they took the swing states and turned those blue. Now, now it's 22. Now in 24, they're going to install the remainder to make it quote unquote blue. And then they're going to change the Constitution they're going to change the Supreme Court. They're going to change all of the agencies and they're going to weaponize everything against the American citizens. And it's literally right out of pawns in the game by William Carr, everything yeah. they're doing. And my, we, my, my first novel, the name of my first novel is Enemies Foreign and Domestic. And I mean, I was, I was talking about this oath, you know, before the Oath Keepers organization, you know, Stuart Rhodes, Oath Keeper number one, he's in prison, like in a dog cage, supermax kind of a facility, a punishment regime. For like 60 years, right? I mean, it was right. like it's some ridiculous sentence. And 
and they do things, and I know this firsthand from people, if you have a medical condition where you need a, 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 uh, a medication for your diabetes, for example, they will deny it until your legs have to be amputated. They are bastards that are at that level now. They are, they are Stasi, Gestapo, KGB ruthless with their enemies. Yeah. And, and I mean, God help you if you're taken by them. But so I can understand why like a Jenna Ellis is going to flip and plead guilty and turn rat because they'll not only go after you, maybe she's tough enough to go to jail because, you know, you're, you're not going to have a trial. You know, you're just going to have a conviction and a sentencing. So maybe she would be tough enough, but they will threaten your children. They will threaten your family. You know, they will ruin you. They will ruin people around you to make you flip. You know, I've, I've known this ever since I wrote Enemies Foreign and Domestic, which has like a, uh, it starts with a shooting into a stadium and then semi-automatic weapons are all banned. And they're not banned because the people that did it, that did this false uh, flag shooting into a stadium, it's not because they have an ideological hatred of guns or the Second Amendment. It's because they know that shooters won't comply. And when shooters don't comply, that sets the stage for an, an immense bureaucratic expansion of ATF, you know, where they're going to now need like 10 times more people to go kick down doors. You know, th so that was my that was my first novel. Well, that's and how the IRS I've, is I've, showing up now. I mean, they've already done it, right? Armed. They've, and they're all armed. I mean, they, the FDA has, you know, SWAT teams. So yeah. there we are absolutely like Dinesh D'Souza. I haven't seen the movie Police State or Bongino and D'Souza's movie. But we are absolutely moving into police state status with just the outer veneer of a constitutional republic. But I, I will, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but um, I will say that they're going to get a lot of this apparatus in place. They're going to have some initial successes, but they're ultimately going to fail for the simple reason that most of the population on the planet does not want to live under Chinese rule or tyrannical rule. And they're already starting to push back. They're going to put some of these control grids in place, but there's not going to be enough of them to be able to hold the country. This is a big country. And I've said this before, talking about the Red Dawn moment, right? There may be some kind of a Red Dawn moment, but all the, all the field grades that I talk to on a regular basis all say the same thing. It's a one-trick pony. And if, if they don't instill the fear they need right away, they're going to lose control quickly. And people that are that are out in the rural areas are going to make it so expensive for them to operate. There will be entire swaths of the country. Clearly, clearly, this is the end of, of not only the global American empire. This is the death throes. This is the desperation phase, yes. right? Yes, this but is the... It's, 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 lar it's larger than that. It's, it's not going to work for China. It's not going to work for the WEF. No. At the end of this crisis... At the end of this crisis, I think we're going to see a complete reordering, like on the level of the Treaty of Westphalia, which was the the uh, movement into nation states. That was like what 1650s, uh, yeah. the um, 50 Years War. I, I'm mixing up my wars, but the Treaty of Westphalia. Before that, you just had warlord princes, mercenaries roaming around Europe. The Treaty of Westphalia said, okay. Your kingdom, we're going to call it a country. You have a flag. You're responsible for what happens in there. That was a huge reordering of the of the world of the world. Well, yeah, um, because they went from the church, you know, the church managing all these warlords to nation states. 
And now we're yes. on the end of the nation states. And what do we move to next? And see, this I is think the- we're going to see a period of city states where I, I, I don't, know, Miami and the Caribbean have more in common, right? I don't know about that because I, if you've read any of Daniel Estulin's stuff, and and I've done I've done a couple of interviews with Daniel Estulin, and he's a, he's an interesting dude. He's a former KGB guy. He wrote a book called Bilderberg. He wrote a book called Tavistock. You should read Tavistock. It it gives you an idea of how they're trying to do this from a um, psychological perspective. It just how do you spell his last name? Uh, Estulin. I'll send it to you. Don't worry. I'll, okay, you know, I'll give you everything you need to know, bro. <laughs> this guy, so, he operates in, on a plane of in, existence. Um, and stick it in, stick it in notes where people um, doing the link can see some of these. Yeah, I will. It's always will. a good help. So, Estulin operates on a plane of existence that's way above me. He's in a strata all to himself. He's that. He's that smart. But one of the things that he talks about, which I firmly agree with, and and I'll use my uh, my background. Anytime you plan influencing operations, right? You plan that it's going to take several years to conduct that influencing operation. You may see limited results from it. You don't look at an influencing operation with measured results because it's just not possible given the amount of um, overlapping comms, overlapping things and messages. But you're trying to influence a certain portion of the population. So you tailor all these messages and all of these themes and narratives to support that over time and eventually get people to buy into part of it or, you know, even half of it. And his premise is the elite don't have a clear vision of what they want the other side to look like once we get past this. They only are interested in total control and these police state cities. They don't have a clear picture of how they want the world to be. And that in and of itself is a massive problem because if you don't, you and I are both used to planning military operations. You start with the end state and work your way backward. You build your timeline, you build your exfiltration routes, your infiltration routes, all based on the end state that you want to reach and the target that you're going after. We're both indoctrinated into that process. These people haven't, they don't have a defined end state other than total control and 500 million people left on the on the uh, on the planet and yeah, georgia guidestones <laughs> well what's dangerous about that is that the fratricide alone from some of their plans has not been clearly thought through and now their timeline's been pushed because of the fact that they're being outed in the public space almost as fast as they publish the new narratives like look at the backlash against the w uh the world um, health organization and this this quote-unquote treaty uh, or these agreements they're they're signing with all these co- these different countries, they're panicking because the backlash against them is growing so loud day by day by day that the 128 countries that originally said that they were going to sign up for this are all pushing back now because their population saying if you sign this thing the barbarians are going to be at the gates, and we're so so we're seeing this their plans fall apart right at their feet. And the danger in that is that they lose control and it becomes completely chaotic. Then I think I think that they I think they've already lost control. We just that that we've already lost control in the sense that you know the the two trains are running out of control at each other and the bridge is out in the middle. Um, but the trains are still on the track, right? For now, <laughs> but there's there's no uh, undoing this Titanic iceberg ahead. There's no stopping it now. 
We've got four carrier battle groups heading to the Middle East. Obviously, it's to go after Iran. It's not to protect Gaza, right? And how do you we think that's going to go? You're a Navy guy. Terribly. It's going to be our Singapore moment. This is, you know, Singapore was one of the yards, one of the turning points for the British Empire. The wily Vietnamese, you know, pushing bicycles and motorbikes down Malaysia, took over Singapore from behind. Uh, they sent out uh, two battleships or battleship and a cruiser that at the time were thought to be, you know, invulnerable to air attack because, goodness, they have like 50 AA guns on them. No airplane could get close. They were both sunk. It's the Prince of Wales and Repulse. Anyway. Yeah, Prince of um, Wales and Repulse, yeah. That's, that's our carriers off of Lebanon. You know, Putin is trying to warn us off saying, look, you know, we have these Mach 9 Kinshaw missiles that can reach all the way from the Black Sea or from our um, you know, MiG-31s. I think it's a 31. Yeah, Fighter it's MiG-31. Bomber. Yeah, MiG-31M. Yeah. But yeah, the, our carriers have no defense against that. No. They don't. There is no defense. So it, we're in, we're the, where the situation right now is Custer is going to teach the Sioux a lesson. See, I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it as we are staging our forces in the in the Middle East as part of a show, and that's really to give the Chinese unopposed access to Taiwan while we're distracted over there. I don't. I I think much much to do with nothing is going to come out of the situation in the Middle East, but I do think that the Chinese will move into Taiwan while we're distracted there, and I think that that's been purposely architected so they can do it. It will. I think they may at a point when we are actually in a kinetic war in, in Southwest Asia, but China would much rather take Taiwan than conquer it, take it politically, like oh, Hong agree. Kong. And and the the you know the ironic thing is um, Taiwan. If you compare it to Okinawa, which was our biggest battle in the Pacific in World War II. Um, Taiwan is like 20 times bigger than Okinawa. It has 10,000 foot mountains, caves everywhere. It would be like a Switzerland if they had the culture that Switzerland had, you know, of, of uh, every man a rifleman. But the Taiwanese won't even let their soldiers shoot guns. I mean, they, I, I've read somewhere when, they're, when you're drafted in the Taiwanese army, you spend like one year and you fire 20 bullets. Wow. And that's it. So they don't have that Swiss ethos of defending every valley, you know, false haystacks with a gun inside that Switzerland wow. had. That, for, for very little cost, Taiwan could adopt the hedgehog defense and just make it so painful to attack, right? I mean, you just don't even want to land on Taiwan. It's 20 times bigger than Okinawa, much higher mountains, many more people. And, you know, it would be a horrible place, but I think that the Chinese are just going to wait them out and, and eventually um, Taiwan falls in their lap. Is China's vulnerability are the sea lanes of communication. It would be stupid for us to send our fleet to defend Taiwan completely in, in uh, Chinese land-based missile, ballistic missile range. Hell, Guam is in range now, right? Anderson yeah. Air Force Base, Guam, the naval base, pre-positioned ship fleet, everything in Guam now. So... It would be suicidally stupid for the U.S. to try to phys you know, physically depend, defend Taiwan. We would just sit back in the Straits of Malacca and the other uh, choke point gaps 
and prevent anything from getting into China, right? So China's got problems in a naval war because we can cut them. It, they're easy to, to isolate. But I, what I think is going to happen is I think that we have people who are deliberately running the ship into the rocks in the sense of these aircraft carriers. I think that the, the zombie status of our military, what I mean by the zombie status, it looks healthy on the outside, maybe. You know, Lloyd Austin's still there. But inside, it's all, you know, parasites that have taken over the brain. And I think that they, the people that are the real shot callers hate America as a sovereign superpower. They want to just take our sword and break it into a million pieces. They want to melt us down like that Robert E. Lee statue. They want us to be at never again a superpower. So they're going to basically put our carriers in hypersonic missile range, escalate, that's why the troop. That's why we still have troops in eastern Syria. They're they're the goat that is staked out for the tiger to 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 attack. Then the snipe. Then the hunter shoots the tiger. Those guys in eastern Syria, what guarding oil wells, protecting from ISIS. If you study the politics in eastern Syria, not to get on a big sidetrack, but we're funding all sides of everybody. You know, oh, yeah, last are. year's ISIS is this year's contract mercenary battalion. Yeah. So it's absolute crap that we're there to try to prevent the reformation of ISIS. We're there as staked goats so that who, so that Iranian-backed militias will shoot small rockets at them. Then we have a reason to shoot, to, to, to do F-16 strikes on, you know, closer to actual Iranian positions because it's, I'm sure that it's Iranian active duty at those depots we just hit the other night. Then they're going, it's going to be tit for tat, and then we're going to see smoking aircraft carriers. And then we're also going to see pilots shot down and paraded on TV. So they're, we're going to be in an all-out war, and we're not going to win. You know, the, the, I'm sorry. The, the Russians have two bases in Syria, um, uh, Tardis and Latakia. They go all the way back to like the 67 war, but they've been massively expanded. They are Russia's naval presence in the warm weather, weather Mediterranean. Russia is not going to give them up. And they are commingled with Syrian military. So if this war goes into American airstrikes against Syria, the Russians aren't going to just say, all right, you hit the ship next to me. Make sure you don't hit my ship. In, in, even in um, the 67 war, first time a, a uh, missile sunk a a major warship it was called the Elliot. It was a it was a uh, old like Fletcher class or something American destroyer given to the Israeli uh, Navy. They call it the they don't call it the Navy, but their maritime force. The Osa missile that sank the Elliot was fired from inside of the harbor. Okay, it's very significant. The the Russian built. Uh, OSA class fired the couple Styx missiles, STYX, at the Elliot and sank it. They were at the dock when they fired those missiles, like Russian ships in Latakia and Tardis. It's very interesting, the, the military philosophy. The Russian ballistic submarines can fire their missiles from the sub base up around Murmansk and hit America. 
our Ohio classes have to go halfway to Russia. So from, from their bases in Seattle and Georgia, our submarines can't hit the Russians. Well, the D4 and D5 boats haven't been upgraded in, what, 30 years? They are built in the 80s. I mean, they're, those... And they're all on, and most of them have been decommissioned or changed into um, tomahawks and carrying tomahawks and special ops troops. But yeah. my, my point is, we think Blue Water Navy, our mindset is Blue Water Navy, Midway. That's the, still the American Well, we're still about, fighting World War II. But we're, but we're now getting ready for a knife fight in a telephone booth in the Eastern Mediterranean, the Suez, the Persian Gulf. We do yeah, not my, win in that situation. My and, thought no, processed... and, no matter who, and no matter who wins, when Iran and America with Russia throwing shots are going kinetic, there will be no oil going out of the Persian Gulf, no matter who wins, right? Or nobody wins. There will be no oil tankers. So the global economy goes into paralysis immediately. This is going to lead to a, a cascade of results that will be unstoppable. You know, global depression. And, and, I, and I, something I always say, when this happens, there are going to be these Hamas-type teams. I'm not saying Hamas, but these groups. Part of what Hamas accomplished on October 7th was a proof of concept or demonstration operation for sleeper cells all over the world. What chaos can result if a thousand guys jump in pickup trucks and go around shooting everything up? Total chaos. Well, think about it, they're going to stop big cities. They'll, they'll stop full big cities like, um, you know, New York, full stop, full stop. Look, look at what one lunatic in Lewiston, Maine has done. Yeah. The country stops because one guy shot up a bowling alley, a bar, jumped on a boat, and he's, maybe he's hiding in the woods for the rest of his life. But the country is completely stopped. Imagine, uh, or, or the, there were the uh, DC sniper case, there was the former police officer out in California, ran around for a couple of days shooting up. You know, the police were going crazy. When this that guy- be, I think this will be, Matt, this is gonna be, um, this will be a bunch of teams operating all at the same time across the country. And at the same time, one of the things, one of the premises that I, that I, um, I've started with is that all of these things are going to converge at a culmination point all at the same time. And they're architecting all of these things to happen so that all of these collapses and failures happen all at the same time. And yeah. it's all centered around the economy, right? And the currency, because the currency's dead anyway. So I think right. that they're, we're going to see logistics run out, oil run out, power run out. And then these teams will go to work in the cities to create terror so they can come sure. in and say, well, here's the, here's it's the problem. No, here's the, here's the solution. It's no coincidence they drained the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's not a coincidence. It wasn't just, oh, we'll give us a bump on inflation for a few months. Everything that they're doing is you have to look at a mindset of the zombie brain of the paralyzed caterpillar has been taken over, right? We yeah, are the machine's no going to operate despite the fact that the, the controls have been ripped off. And the machine is now operating like, let's yank the crankshaft off. Let's break all of our valves. And let's go to a, to a thousand or you know to ten thousand RPM. Um, yeah, the, the, it's designed to fail now. And I've said forever, nobody needs to fire an, a missile at an American city. Number one, it has a back trail, right? It, it, you can you know right where it came from, so you know who to retaliate against. But 
all you need to do is cut off the power to an American city and it will burn itself down because oh, yeah. we have such unsocialized people that they will go out of their mind and start looting every supermarket in a week in every city. And once that's that security days. environment, there will be no resupply of supermarkets. Three days. Three days. Complete shit show. Three days. And, then, mean, and then there's no reason you can't restart right that. The big cities right yeah. now, most of the big block stores are closing because they've been looted. Like on, in broad daylight, the police have been hamstrung to do anything. But so, when they're all empty, when there's no food, it is going to become savage. And yeah. one of the equations that people don't consider and comprehend is you have to eat food every day, okay? You have to eat food every day for the next month. You do not have to shoot all your bullets for the next month. So what happens when everybody's still got lots of ammunition, but there's no more food? Okay, maybe on your block there's a prepper that's got a few months you know, of mountain house, but that doesn't mean anything. When, when 90% of the people have zero food, but half of them have lots of ammunition, it's going to become an unstoppable uh, collapse. And that's the, I think that's the point of the exercise because they let and us. I don't think that there, I don't, there's a 50 state federal government under our constitution on the other side of that. There's not. The, 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 look, the, the country we knew, the system that we all took for granted, the things that we enjoyed are over. And what's going to come out of this is going to be a population that's harder than nails that won't allow any of this, this shit to go on in the, in the, in the future. People aren't going to give two shits about pronouns and sexual preference. And I don't. Sexual... I don't even. I, I don't think there will be elections for a long time. I think there's not. There won't. Be, and when elections come, they'll start at a local level, and I don't think women will be allowed to vote. It will be recognized <clears throat> on average. I'm not saying every woman is irrational or irresponsible, but that was the tipping point. Nineteenth Amendment into voting based on feelings everybody should have free stuff that's you can't run a society on it i feel sorry for all the poor people let's give everybody free money right we, we've run that to the end oh yeah that, we, well the whole a, liberal ideology i mean you can you can flavor it a, a lot of ways you know but the reality is the whole liberal ideology is a cancer and people have finally started to figure that out even liberals yes. started to figure that out, you know, from a, from a mental health perspective, you know, you have all, you have two generations that are, that are just coming of age right now. They're completely, they don't know how to do anything. And so oh, and then right. and two years of two years of uh, masks and uh, Zoom school and not seeing adults lips. That's a generational uh, catastrophe for that cohort. You know, the, whether they were the four to five year old or eight to nine year old, they're damaged. The ones that went through this COVID experiment, you know, whether or not they're jabbed, they're damaged psychologically, developmentally. Yeah. That's going to be a damaged cohort going all the way through. Yeah. And the worst part of it is, is that by the time they realize that they've been screwed, they're going to be double screwed because they're going to have to figure out how to live through what's coming if they, some of them do. A lot of them won't. And it's going to be ugly no matter how the, the survivors are going to be hard as nails. Oh, you know, yeah. the, my, my, uh, my books, if you, if people want to get them, they, I have a website and you can get them signed from me instead of giving Jeff Bezos 
you know, half of it. But um, the the reason I wrote these books, like Enemies Foreign and Domestic, this you know, stadium shooting to get semi-automatics banned so that the ATF will you know exponentially grow its power. Um, the, I wrote them so that at the time, as like warnings, look, this is what's coming. Well, now we're there. So I, you know, we're kind of past the warning phase, but people can read my books to see what kind of a track record I've got. And I, I wrote Foreign Enemies and Traitors in like 2008 or nine, And I had, you know, uh, homosexual lieutenants das- dancing at the O Club at uh, Fort Campbell and the old warrant officer helicopter pilot saying, I can't believe this is happening. And people said, Matt, that will never happen. Yeah. How many times never. have you heard that in your career? That'll never happen. That will yeah, never happen. Right. Look at them now. They're wearing masks yeah. and all kinds of insidious in shit. My, in my Reconquista novel, I have, you know, people that are working behind the scenes to basically peel the Southwest out of the United States, not to rejoin it with Mexico, but to make it like cartel land. Oh, and they're going to do that. That's going to happen. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. You have corrupt judges. You have judges that are terrified into, you know, ba- being tools of these of these gangsters. Yeah, we are we are losing control of this country, and that so now I've I was so blackpilled for about five years, but I am writing a new novel, and the structure of it allows me to look at some post collapse recovery situations, and I think that for one example, you know where I just and this is just a story, so it's just like you know who knows if this is going to happen or not, but. In Texas, from, say, Houston across the New Orleans coast, there's so much chemical and petroleum infrastructure that's not going to all, like, decay into ruins. It's still going to be there. And there's if there's a civil war in, say, Texas, like the 1847 war in Texas, it's going to be open fire at long range. Anybody with face tattoos, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just shooting. It's going to be a war of annihilation I think until that's one side or the other wins. I think it, and it, I think that's coming, and I think that you've accurately described how this is going to develop. Right? This will this will devolve down to the community level, neighborhoods first, then it will become communities, then it will become cities, and then it will become regions, and then it will become states, and then the states will start rebuilding infrastructure. And there's infrastructure here in Arizona that we can leverage, right? Our problem is water, but we have access to water. We have we have water resources. What we're going, what you're going to see is all these this infrastructure reactivated by by builders, people that know how to do That's things. Right. And there's a lot of builders in this country. And then you're going to see trading between states for resources, and then pretty soon you'll see loose alliances between states. I don't think you'll ever see a United States um, in our lifetime. I think you and I will be long gone before that ever happens again, but I think at some point it will come back. But the federal government will not have the power I that agree. it has now. There, it will never ever have this power again. It is even a government in Washington. Anybody who discusses a a, a, a new um, central uh, central bank will probably be shot. That that will be like you know, uh, you know, discussing boiling muns and oil. It well, just, I think. Nobody's yeah. going to want to hear from the bankers for a long time. 
No, I think bankers will be an endangered species along with lawyers because those are the two classes of retards that got us into this. And the uh, the other thing is, is that currency will change too. Currency will not be based on what a banker decides is you give the valuation will be based on the resources of that region. And you'll have regional currencies that are traded. Probably we may get back to gold and silver. People are not, they're going to initially get a digital currency out, but I don't think it's going to last very long because people are so disgusted with the way that the banks have handled this ES, ESG thing to begin with. And then on top of that, you have all of the um, the corruption that goes along with hedging currency. Sorry, sorry. Um, but you see where I'm going with that, right? If we have a if we have a linear progression, if you just draw a straight line into the future, then then sure we'll have uh, we'll have the um, the central bank digital currency ESG social credit all of that. But I I think we're going to go nonlinear and have a collapse before that's rolled out. Fully ESG rolled. is dead. ESG is dead. It's already dead. They already killed it. They already realized they weren't going to get the the traction they wanted, and and it's because the have-nots in Wall Street are the ones that killed it, Jamie Dimon and that crew. And the infighting amongst the loose associations has already destroyed that. I think what they're going to try and do is get a digital dollar. And they may have some limited success with that. But unfortunately, during that process, you're right, the, the country will implode. And I, I think it's this year. I think it's going to start this month. And I think it's going to escalate over the next several months into March or April of next year, where we'll see a catalyst event. And then it's game on fights on i think that i think that history will mark the four aircraft carriers as being um like june july of 1914 when yeah. all of the armies of europe called up their reserves that was the equivalent of sending carriers the yeah. when when you took like a third of your factory workforce and put it in uniform at the front then the logic becomes i have to use it i can't leave them there out of the factory at the front for the next you know, forever. And if I back down, I'll be attacked by the other side. So yeah. logic, the, the game theory then becomes, I have to attack first because my enemy is only reinforcing and building bigger trenches. And that's what's going to happen with the four aircraft. Uh, that's like half of our active naval assets, combatant ships are now being sent over there. You know, this is going to be, our, I think, could be our Singapore moment. And this could be, and after that, Israel totally gets overrun. I mean, we don't have, I, I watch some of the people I always watch. I watch McGregor. Um, I watch, um, uh, what's his name? The Russian that lives in Seattle. Um, uh, Martinov. And, uh, Martinov. We don't have the war stocks to sustain an effort. Oh, no. We can no, no. pummel the crap out of Iran for about two weeks. And then what? Logistically, we're screwed. We were screwed right. when we sent all of our, our uh, strategic reserve stocks to um, Ukraine and watched them get smoked by Russian drones. That's Look, that ship sailed. There's no two-front war. There's no extended protracted war. This is a two-week no. war. We lose our ships, probably one of them in the Strait of Hormuz. Superpower status gone. Get that, that whole facade that we're superpower is a joke now. And it's a joke because- it is. It's yeah. a bluff. It's a bluff. And they're ready. And our, our adversaries, I don't call them enemies, our adversaries, n not by my choice adversaries. I have nothing against, you know, Russians, Chinese, Iranians at the, at the neighborhood level, right? <laughs> I'd throw a barbecue in, the, in my backyard tonight. 
You know well, what I, I mean? Think the, I think the Russians take the take Putin out of this for a second. Most of the population of the planet is fatigued with conflict. They're all fatigued with it. They don't even the Russians want the war in Ukraine to end. Like, okay, we got it. Two years. We're we're trying to stop the Nazis. Can you just drive this to a closure so we can be done with this and move on with our lives? Right. All of us are done with this. And, and, and all of all somebody, of our, all of our anybody fucking shoot that little Keebler elf in Kiev. Somebody go shoot that guy. We're sick of that guy parading around his high heels and his bullshit. Somebody go shoot that guy and be done with him. Move he's on. He's just another puppet. He's just another. He's of just an actor. He, he, he was. He, he was given. I mean, it's so classic, and probably still not most Americans understand this. He was an actor, a comedian, did like semi obscene, like uh, man, you know, uh, you know, the playing the piano with the with the penis. You know, he's not really, but it looks like he is with his hands up. That kind of low humor. They picked him to be the star of a show based on the premise that an actor became the president of the Ukraine and then he's doing great. So they actually prepared the ground psychologically for the Ukrainians by having Zelensky play the role of an actor who becomes the president of Ukraine. Then oh, he runs on the platform the of supporting the Maidan, uh, of supporting the uh, Minsk Accords and peace with Russia. Yeah, so the whole thing was has been a put up job, you know, since Newland and all of those people ran the the Maidan coup. Oh yeah, he's just he's just an actor and a puppet. But the part that 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 I think most people don't realize is that they and you've I don't know if you've noticed this either, but every single world leader after George George W. Bush, every single one has been a homosexual. Every single Western leader has been a homosexual. Obama, Macron, Trudeau, Trudeau, Macron, Merkel, all homosexuals. Every single. Well, I, I think. Well, I don't know if you call Biden a world leader or just a world puppet figurehead, but I think he's, he's a, a child molester. He is a pedophile. He's a, he's a he's a card carrying pedophile. Yeah, sniffing kids. I mean, come on, dude, sniffing kids. With your daughter. All right. Well, that the, well the diaries are true. They've right. come out and said the diaries are Absolutely. true. So he molested his kid from the time she was. I think she, her diary started at 12 and she said she was molested and he was coming into the bathroom at eight. So yeah, we could, that's, a, we'll save that rabbit hole for a different conversation. Um, this is a good, I think this is a good place to wrap because I think the next conversation you and I need to have is after hostilities start in, in the, the Middle East. And then we can have a conversation. Yeah, about assuming we, assuming the internet work. is still working. Uh, it's going <laughs> to work for at least a day or two. We'll get one out. Come on, man. Think positive. Um, any any final words to to the audience? I know we've been all over the map, but this this is how this goes when when you get when you get so many different topics that you can discuss and so many different. Well, things you know, just I, the only I would say what I've said on other podcasts. You know, um, I did the show for a long uh, about a year with Fernando Aguirre, um, modern survivalist, things like that. You have to number one think about water. If if you've got body ar hard hard plates and rifles and night vision. But you're on city water, okay? It's backwards. You've you've got to have a water supply. <laughs> you, you you know when your neighborhood the water goes out after a couple of days, the backup diesel generator stops and the water isn't flowing. You can't do anything. You're done. Yeah, so and you only people have, have got to. 
yeah, you want you want all the food and all the ammo. I get it, training everything, but if if you don't have secure water, you can't live where you are. Then you're just a refugee with everybody else. And and like I said, what happens when there's a month later, everybody's still got bullets, but there's no cans of food left, nothing. Yeah, you know, that that's going to be a real ugly situation. So you don't want to be around cities. You want to be around a place where you can acquire water and hopefully in a more or less homogenous area because all of the multicultural areas immediately become, you know, Lebanon or Bosnia. Immediately. Everybody gets super tribal when this shooting starts kicking off. So you don't want to be the only white guy surrounded by not white guys or vice versa. So you, you need to you know, move now if you can. And I and I I honestly say for a lot of people, get an RV and be ready to haul ass. Just even if it's a van, and you'll because have some you're going to have to be mobile. Yeah, you'll have some lead time, but be be ready to displace. Yeah, my my I have a guy on my team that's uh, preaching 15 gallons of water, five gallons per person per day, and have at least two weeks of of you know potable water. And you know don't don't store you know, five years worth of dehydrated Bitcoin and, um, you know, um, yeah, Chinese, well, you know, what, what, um, Fernando Aguirre, the, uh, the modern survivalist podcast, he was in Argentina during their financial collapse when, yeah, there was like a year with no banking, right? No banks, only black market for everything. Well, he says people from, uh, Argentina again, but primarily Venezuela, they write, uh, they communicate with them and they say, I thought having six months of food would be enough. But now we're like in the 10th year of the emergency and we're all, you know, trying to catch rats. You know, so the ones that haven't fled the country. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's better to have 15 gallons of water. But again, what happens when your 15 gallons of water is gone and there's nothing coming out of the tap? Yeah. You got to have a, you got to have a, a displacement strategy and, a, and a, you know, a place to exfil to. I see that happening, and believe it or not, we—that's what we've been preaching for the last two years—is that be ready for any contingency and be ready to displace. And and and, and another, just a, a couple, a couple little tips off the top of my head. Sure, everybody, you know, if you if you buy gold or silver coins, it's hard getting, uh, you know, acquiring it, getting the physical. But what you can still do that is almost as good as buying silver coins, or in some ways superior. Buy name brand ammunition, cases of it, a box of 20 223s or 308s or what have you, is sealed that says Remington or Winchester, glued up little box. That's got most of the hallmarks of, of money. It's, it's, um, it's durable. It's um, transportable. It's uh, recognizable. You know, it, it, it's if you have to go into the super to the wherever and you don't have a silver coin, I think people will be happy to take a box of Winchester, you know, a box of a box of uh, of um, Hornady uh, critical defense nine millimeter. If yeah. it's in your pocket and it's worth maybe more than this, than the silver. Yeah, it'll be. So, worth I mean, if you can't gold. get silver coins, you can't have too much ammo in the not not bag of bullets necessarily but you know the little 20 packs of of rifle ammo when you buy a case of rifle ammo 
Generally, they come 20 in a little cardboard box, like say the size of a cigarette pack or a bit little bigger. That's recognizable money. You know, that is, if you can't get silver and gold, that is a tradable money item. The whole case, that's like, you know, your $1,000 bill, right? One box, that's your $20 bill or your $50 bill. I think they'll be more, I think they'll be worth more than that because they're already worth more. Like I, I, I'm an FFL and I can tell you that ammo uh, up until last week, a thousand rounds, uh, two years ago, five, five, six was 200 bucks for a, for a brick of a thousand. Last week, week before last, it was 420. Last week. Yeah, and they're, and they're Lake City, they're, they're pushing all of these companies out of business. Yeah, that's exactly. Out of selling doing. to civilians. Yeah. They're, they're taking away your access to ammunition. So if you haven't bought ammo, now's the time to do it, even if it costs you a lot of money, because you may not get another chance. Yeah, and it's it's kind of getting late in the game for this. But, you know, if, you, if, if you're near a city, I mean, the cities are going to burn. I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't see any way around that. No, we're so, past the culmination yeah. point. You and I agree to that. That's That's been a... That's been a problem for a long time. We know that uh, it was coming. We've seen it. We've seen it on the horizon. We, we knew it was coming. It's just a but, matter of But plan. like like everything else, except maybe the dinosaur extinction, um, there'll be plenty of people on the other side. You just want to be in the group that's still alive, you know, not in the group that uh, imploded and burned. So, <laughs> you know, location is going to be very important. And, you know, you're even down to like your neighborhood. But yeah, if, if, Folks want to get my books. So I've got a website, enemiesforeignanddomestic.com. Uh, my books, I, I think, are very prophetic. If you um, want to look at my track record, you can read the about 100 pages of each book is on the website. So you don't have to actually buy a book to like really get the flavor of them. It, there's like the first third of each book is right there. And, I'll post and if the you order them from me, them. I'll sign them yeah, or I'll, Amazon. I'll post the link so you can uh, you can hit it directly. And I, I highly recommend you read you read uh, Matt's books, especially Enemy uh, Domestic Enemies. It's it's a fantastic book. And uh, with that, Matt, we'll have to do this again, uh, probably in the next week, because I think things are going <laughs> to develop that fast. And I think we're going to see it over the weekend. Um, again, I appreciate you jumping on, man. It's a total honor to have you on. I'm telling no, you, no, no, it's all mine. So all mine. Thank you so much. We'll definitely do this again. Um, and. My, my the final words I have for everybody is you may hear us talking doom and gloom. You're talking to, you know, two veterans that have seen pretty much everything there is to see. And we know how bad it can get. Remember the strength in numbers. Remember that your your community is your source of strength, your sphere of influence and your line of sight. Increasing those now is going to be vitally important once things kick off. And don't be scared. Shed the fear. There's no reason to be scared. It's going to, things are going to suck for a while, but we're going to come out of this as a better country. And it may be ambiguous for a while, but don't let the ambiguity get you. Remember that we were put and created for a reason. We are God's light on this planet. God bless everyone. One team, one fight.